James Rain has been assigned to promote the beer, featuring in an upcoming creative campaign shot at the iconic Silverton Hotel in Broken Hill, where the original Mad Max was filmed, oh, and performing film. at a series of trade events held across the country in April. Australian beer goes hand in hand with live Australian music, James said, after doctors checked his pulse to make sure he was still, in fact, able to perform. Ah, <laughs> oh, beautiful. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they're proud sponsors of this. And this, in case you're wondering, is Brews News Week, our regular wrap of all that has made news in beer this week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me to take a good hard look at the news, the views and the issues are the founder and editor of Australian Brews News, the dodgy dog deliverer, Matt Kierkegaard, and ace reporter and senior journalist, the doggedly determined digger of stories, Claire Boom Boom Burnett. G'day, guys. <laughs> Morning, Pete. Hey, Pete. Yeah, Matt, you've been, um, well, uh, what's it, but like a dog delivery service. Well, yeah, I've been, I think I talked about Hugo that I was fostering a couple of weeks ago, so did, he's yep. finally found a home, um, so I was just dropping him off <laughs> living up at the Sunshine Coast, so he uh, got to move to the beach before I did. I'm pretty jealous of him, actually. Yes, I'm having been up there in this beautiful Brisbane weather. Mm. It's just beautiful clear skies, but anyway. It's chilly, though. Bit, bit nippy for me. Not on the beach. Oh, here we go. I've been slaving away, Pete. Matt's been at beach. <laughs> but like, actually, lucky uh, we are recording a little because we've had a couple of stories come in, um, you know, while I was driving back down to record. So, uh, oh, there we go. Hmm. Uh, listen, before we get into the digits, um, happy sixth birthday to Akasha. Yeah. Yes. Brilliant. They've got a couple of new releases for it, which is very cool. Yeah. Amazing. When you think about it, I, you know, didn't have, wouldn't have given that much legs. No. <laughs> <laughs> I still think of them as really, really young, but six is getting on a bit now in craft beer years. When you think about it, uh, Dave and his brewery, his brand, is must be closing in on 10 because I think Riverside would have been four, three or four years. I mean, Dave is one of those guys who's – like. And with full, um, you know, apologies to uh, Hendo, um, you know – Dave Patton's one of those rock star brewers that his <laughs> name actually is above the door. Um, even though it's called Akasha, it's always Dave Patton's beer kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's it's um, that oversight, no, not oversight, overseeing um, of, I guess, you know, mission statement gets thrown around about as about as wantonly as KPIs and um, circling back and all those sorts of buzzwords. But... Akasha really has had a mission and it, and, and the philosophy, the ethos, if you like, has, has really been driven by Dave. Um, but, uh, and, and you bump into anyone, you bump into, uh, I catch up with Larry a little bit, at, um, who's the, the Victorian uh, rep, and they're on board with it. Like they're, they're genuinely proud to be, you know, part of, the, of, that, of that family, mm. which is great. Mm. And particularly as, as, a, as a business grows, it gets much harder to have that, um, you know that that family philosophy turn it into a you know into a corporate philosophy, um, but so far so good. They've done it really well. It's very hard, and if you want to uh, get some insights in how you can do that, go listen to the conversation we had with Young Henrys because I've had a lot of feedback about exactly mm. that aspect of the the, the podcast that I uh, did with them about how you know strong their culture is. Yeah, there you go. And uh, thanks very much too um, to Grace at uh, at Akasha for sending me out. Um, I don't know whether it's uh, as a result of me talking about how much uh, alcohol-free beer I've been trying, um, <laughs> they send me a 10 and a 10.5%. <laughs> I was going to say those are the birthday releases and they are hefty. Swings and roundabouts, Pete. Swings and roundabouts. Exactly. It's all about balance, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> I'm, I'm averaging about 4.2%. <laughs> That's an acceptable average. Uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. On with the news, yeah. On with the show. We shall cross live now to the Australian Brews News Media Centre for a wrap-up of stories making news in beer this week. And Claire, we begin this bulletin with a story that has sadly uh, been repeated in um, years past, where it's not all rosy in the beer garden. It's not. Um, So South Australia's Beer Garden Brewing um, has been put up for sale by one of the co-founders, Mark Butterworth. Really nice guy. Um, Basically, and you know, we've seen it before, 
personal relationships um, and business mixing can be difficult. So the deal is um, his, him and his missus, um, they're separating. They've got to get rid of the business uh, to enable that to happen effectively. Now, we've seen it in slightly different manners uh, with Beaucamp Beer in Tasmania, and which is now called the Albert Brewery. And uh, Brisbane's Ether uh, and Milton Common, obviously, um, the guys there, they were used to be just Ether. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure being put on them. And they ended up parting ways. And this is similar, but I think this one was a little, tugged on my heartstrings a little bit more because it was marriage. Um, and I think what it really highlighted for me is, you know, brewing is a business at the end of the day. And you prepare for almost any eventuality except this one seemingly um so I think it put it puts into perspective you know that it can be a really stressful situation to own a brewery and you've also got to have yourself um and your partners uh, protected in the event that something like this happens um so it's a sad time but um you know the brewery seems to be a lovely little brewery um I've not have you guys ever been no no, no I, I wasn't really even across but it looks like a not an insignificant operation it's a quite a big one and as you'd expect has a massive beer garden mm. um fully functioning all the bells and whistles seemingly um so it's, it seems to be a good little operation nice little suburban brewery but yeah, we're up for sale. Get in touch with Mark Butterworth. But it is, a, and, and you know that was just a news story. It wasn't like it's not a class paid classified. Just yeah, I said to Clash, we put it on it because it's it's a news story. <laughs> it feels it's, a bit like it, it's the sort of thing that people get yeah, paid for. Yeah. But it was, you know, all credit to them for talking about mm-hmm. the challenge behind the business because quite often people don't like to talk. And you know, the, the three that you name checked um, about partnerships that have dissolved. Mm-hmm. That is literally the tip of the iceberg in terms of oh, yeah. breweries that go out and, you know, for a whole host of reasons, people don't want to talk about that falling out. And when, you know, a couple of mates getting together or a couple of families getting together and, you know, over a beer conceiving the idea of a brewery is one of the great narratives of craft beer, one of the story, you know, the foundation myths of so many breweries you know, I, I, I think that it's almost incumbent on businesses to be a little bit open about this when it happens. If you base your identity on it or if you base your brand upon something like that. Well, so many people blunder into it. It, 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 it's, it, it is hard. And I really love the chat that I had with um, uh, Peter and Brennan Fielding um, recently. And, you know, it came round to the chat that they had before they even opened the brewery together. They sat down and had the chat that we will close down our brewery before we let our marriage fold, mm-hmm. um, which I just thought, you know, it was really indicative of the way, the professional way they've always approached their their business. But whether you're, you're, you're mates or whether you're, um, you know, a, a life partners, um, it's an incredibly challenging thing to do. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah I, I think it's something that more people probably need to be aware of the challenges before they start opening breweries with so many breweries still in planning with mm-hmm. that same narrative. Exactly. It's not confined to personal relationships either. Mm-hmm. We've seen you know, plenty of cases where business partners have, have either, um, well, you know, Akasha slash Riverside, a perfect example, where, you know, the, the, the two partners sort of have diverging um, opinions on on the way forward or the next step in the in the brewing process and and it's unresolvable. Um, you look at I guess um, uh, Sean Shawlock. At, at I was Falcon just thinking was, of Sean. Yeah, potential um, for for that sort of thing to happen where the you know the the landlord says no, I don't want to be part of this anymore. I need to I need to sell because of a you know a downstream issue um and if not for mighty craft um you know could have could have gone the same way yeah exactly basically moral of the story it's hard bloody work owning a brewery <laughs> exactly the first thing after you've decided on the name of your brewery work out an exit strategy <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> oh, well it's it's important it sounds crazy but it's important yeah, yeah put it in an envelope and stick it at the bottom of the safe or whatever but just mm-hmm. have something there so that you say this is what we agreed on yeah can we still go ahead with this yep uh, then let's enact the plan. Oh, mate, did you hear, uh, again, uh, Did don't want to make this plugging our other show, but <laughs> did you hear the chat with Alistair Turnbull um, yet this week? Oh, I haven't yet. Oh, go, go have a listen. It's a, it's a cracker. I mean, basically, you know, he, he's one of these guys. He's still working 100 hours a week, delivering kegs. You know, he's 61, 62, I think what he said. He's, you know, hooking kegs back onto a, the back of a truck and, you know, he says, you know, going to carry me out in a box. Um but he just loves what he does. But, you know, he, he's 
14 years into opening the brewery, you know, it's profitable and he's reinvesting in the business and all of those sorts of things. He's got a lifestyle job. But it's just such, you know, he just made it very clear. Like it was his passion and enthusiasm came through. But I'm amazed after 14 years, you know, it says a lot about him and his love for what he does, um, that he still has that same enthusiasm for it. And then that's his exit strategy. His exit strategy is literally to just exit the business. <laughs> now, Claire, um, mm-hmm. speaking of making things difficult for um, people opening and maintaining businesses, uh, the ATO uh, has clamped <laughs> down on illicit alcohol. Yes. Um, so the Australian Tax Office has issued a warning to retailers about illicit alcohol, and that is obviously alcohol, um, according to them, that hasn't had the correct amount of excise duty or any excise duty uh, paid on it so I believe there's been a few cases knocking around in the background that have sort of prompted them to make this announcement uh, and to to sort of warn people about it Um, but you know they make a fair point Um, you know alcohol like this can be sold at a greater profit or a lower price than other products um, thus creating an unfair competitive advantage and it was an interesting one as well because obviously a few weeks ago Matt wrote about the Queensland Health Survey. So uh, 20% of samples that they um, tested returned um, unacceptable uh, variants in their alcohol content. So above 0.3, below or below or above 0.3 in terms of variants. And that has implications for lots of things, but also excise. Um, so it's definitely on their radar and it's kind of a warning and kind of a just be, especially if you're a retailer, if you're on-premise, um, you know, have if it's too good a deal to be true it probably is and the ATU might end up getting involved uh, so watch out on that one and of course Claire meant 0.03 0.03 did I say point three? Oh, I, yeah sorry 0.03 thank you Pete uh, but the other thing we should point out is that kind of like is this the beer equivalent of chop chop yeah basically yeah chop chop's illegal uh, tobacco Claire Claire's oh. looking quizzically <laughs> solves everyone we just used to send our nans to Spain and get duty free yeah, so is that the, this is the, the kind of, it's it's like, uh, what is it, you know, unbranded or un, um, unbonded? Yes, although I do believe that there might have been some actual companies doing this, no? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I look, I, again, Not without, just, I, I, I am aware don't know too that there much are a couple it. of... Um, Slip-ups in paperwork or... No, just people who, they, they just make it, you know, it's, just, it's basically moonshining, you know, they, they make it, uh, um, sell it as, you know, I think they just make the ethanol flavour it. Cause, well, it's illegal to be a home distiller, and yet if you walk into any homebrew shop, you can buy, you know, like a five-litre still, mm-hmm. and they sell all of the flavourings for, you know, whiskies and things like that. And, you know, the, the, the way they get around it is this... Um, this is not to be used for making alcohol for consumption. Um, it is for... It's the warning um, sign. No, uh, <laughs> oils. What is it? Essential oils. So they mm. sell them to say, you know, I'm, I'm distilling the oils from, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's what they say about bongs and hookahs yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all of that. And, and yet... It, Just for tobacco and... Flavoured tobacco. But there's this whole <laughs> ecosystem right next to it of things that are designed, you know, there's oak chips and like all these things to sort of oh oak flavour. And, uh, you know, it relies on the ATO to actually um, chase people up. But now that's, that's on a home level. But, yeah, on an... In- industrial level there are a number of people have been caught over the years you know just basically selling really cheap knockoff um spirits God, it's ballsy to make your own spirits though that's a dangerous game stop doing it let's ruin it for everyone tv ads and billboards and social media the full house this week we have yeah <laughs> yes yeah, so um we had a raft of them um i'm not sure if someone was on holiday at ABAC, but they all sort of flooded in uh in the past week or two all sorts of things covered um so go and have a little look um a few of them were um so sierra nevada and great northern uh one of them great northern was the billboard you know the famous the beer four up here um i think it was over in wa and sierra nevada was the tv advert um showing some outdoors activities and things and the complainant who may or may not be from the council council um basically said, you know, you can't associate anything, uh, doing anything active or outdoorsy with drinking. And ABAC were like, no, that's not the rule. Um, the rule is you can't show swimming or a high-risk activity or an activity that, you know, you need um, high levels of coordination or alertness to do. And walking, hiking, things like that don't quite fall under that one. Um, climbing obviously would, but um, it was really interesting to make that distinction. There was also another one... Um, Gosh, she was. Oh, Heineken. Um, 
and this is sort of we've touched on this before streaming platforms obviously really difficult to maintain those sort of watershed type uh, times and determine who's watching what when uh, and somebody accidentally let some Heineken and James Squire adverts uh, run during a Blues Clues uh, program so that did not end well um, obviously but they wasn't were... it just they whoever was the programmer at mm, the TV station yes. hadn't clicked the thing that highlighted the automated ads yeah. so it wasn't the alcohol it was total companies human at all. error yeah, yeah. On, on the part of the streaming service rather than um, any, yeah, and they were like please come we have a no-fault breach because we really didn't because of our fault. And, and ABUC agreed. Presumably, yeah, you did. complained to the um, broadcasting ombudsman, not the... Oh, well, it was an accident. It was just so, somebody yeah. didn't tick a box yeah. on a, you know, on a, you know, it, it just like when you can YouTube, you know, you don't want your kids seeing adult-only thing, you just tick a box yeah. and it just, they hadn't, you know... That's it. But people previously have moaned about alcohol adverts being shown during children's programs but have never ticked that box mm. and I think that's you know it's it's an interesting one because you know you've got to be much more alert when you're being on streaming platforms if you don't want your kids to look at stuff like this and make sure they're on the kids channel and all that kind of stuff but obviously this was a bit of an anomaly in that you know it was not, never supposed to happen like that um and a couple of interesting ones, so expedited determinations Pete uh nice little one pages so I don't have to go through a 20 page report they basically said, you know, if the, they're going to do expedited decisions if um, or determinations if there's obviously a clear breach in the marketing communications or if the issue with the complaint doesn't raise um, any issue of broader significance, they've called it. Um, so a few of them were much longer ones and then a few of them were nice little one pages. Um, basically, you know, your standard showing somebody drinking beer in a pool or in a river or something like that um, and they... I think Capital Brew Boys and Mighty Crafts Nosh Seltzer, they were all like, yeah, fair enough, we messed up on those. Um, and then Abark were like, yeah, fair enough, um, you've breached. That's easy breezy. Um, so it was interesting that they brought some more of these expedited determinations in, and it is in response to an increased level of complaints. Um, so it's making it easier on themselves uh, and the people that you know are being complained about. So, interesting one, whole raft of them. Just go have a little look, um, see if anything jumps out to you. Um, but no, some interesting interesting decisions there from Maybach. Yeah, and moving on, St Andrews Beach uh, is expanding. It is indeed. So, again, we've had the past couple of months of just people growing and growing and growing. And St Andrews Beach and Blackman's Brewery, actually, um, I'm currently working on something for Blackman's. Um, they've both opened, um, well... Blackman's has opened a new site, so that brings their sites to three. And St. Andrew's Beach has added to their capacity. So they've got a new 300-litre pilot brewery. They've added um, an, added um, to their 25-heck brew house um, a, few, a whole new tank farm. So they can basically do about 2 million litres of beer following this expansion, which is amazing. It's a huge expansion. But it was an interesting one as well because St. Andrew's Beach is obviously on a race a former racehorse track so it's massive it hasn't got the same um, constraints that potentially an urban brewery would have you know we've seen a lot of people that can't expand on their current site and have had to uh, compl- start from scratch somewhere else completely um, but St Andrew's Beach has uh, the ability to do that so that's fantastic. St Andrew's Beach Brewery is in an area I think where you've, you've had um, the pioneers like uh, like Red Hill Brewery, mm-hmm. who have down there on the peninsula, a bit a bit further down there down the pointy end of the peninsula, um, but have sort of broken ground and, and got this whole concept of um, you know non mainstream beer. St Andrews Beach has been able to come in and sort of say, you know, like you say, because of uh, a former. Uh, racehorse training facility they, they've got the space um, but then they've also embracing that agricultural uh, aspect with the orchard that they're growing for their um for their cider yeah yeah that that's coming to a head at the minute isn't it very cool and rather than uh and it's great because you know if you want something a bit different if you want something a bit funky you've got tar barrel the old mornings and you've got um mm-hmm. you know plenty of others around yeah. there um this one uh the guys i guess very proudly sort of say look you know we we serve our community, so we, we have we don't have um, hazies and triple IPAs and pastry stouts and things like that. They've got a really good range of um, very approachable sort of beers, recognising that they are very much in in wine and wining dining country. Um, so good on good on them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such an important point, actually, Pete, about the diversity of the breweries in that in a specific area. 
if we have everything to cater to everyone, then not only are you potentially not cannibalizing other people's sales, but you're also a, going for a different sector of the market that you can potentially grow in. Trying to corner it. That's the one. Um, yeah, and obviously Blackman's, uh, as I say, they've started, a, they've opened a new uh, venue in Grovedale. Big product, a, a new production brewery. So their little place in um, Torquay was doing about 400,000 litres a year. And it hit, <laughs> Ren Blackman, lovely, he was just like... We were. We should have only been doing a hundred thousand liters. We couldn't. We couldn't do four hundred. We shouldn't have been doing four hundred thousand liters on that. So this um, expansion will allow them to expand to one million, um, which is fantastic. Uh, so yeah, good on them too. Excellent. Uh, and Coopers uh, have released an Australian IPA. Haven't, didn't they already do this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> didn't Mate, everybody I, I, else already do um, this? Yes, uh, I'll, I'll take this one because this is one of the stories that broke my way in. Um, under cover of its new marketing tagline, Forever Original, Coopers has become the 673rd Australian brewery to release an Australian IPA. <laughs> Following on from the success of its highly original Sessional Ale, recently rebranded Pacific Ale, and its forward-thinking XPA, Coopers has innovated with an IPA brewed exclusively with Australian hops. (laughs) Australians are turning to local brands they know and trust. So while there is a large number of overseas styles in the market, we saw demand for a great tasting IPA with a distinct local touch, Dr. Tim Cooper said. We're very mindful about when to bring out a new beer and an enormous amount of time goes into getting it right, Dr. Cooper said, neglecting to mention its diabolical 2018 release of an IPA under the Thomas Cooper label. (laughs) To underline its very Aussiness, Cooper's has raided founder Thomas Cooper's gramophone collection to ensure the beer appeals to craft beer drinkers. James Rain has been assigned to promote the beer, featuring in an upcoming creative campaign shot at the iconic Silverton Hotel in Broken Hill, where the original Mad Max was filmed, oh, and performing film. at a series of trade events held across the country in April. Australian beer goes hand in hand with live Australian music, James said, after doctors checked his pulse to make sure he was still, in fact, able to perform. <laughs> Ah, beautiful. Coopers. You didn't notice that was Matt doing his sarcastic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, that was using direct quotes from. I mean, they were from the direct quotes from the press release, and I mean, even I just got a buzz saying that, um, yeah, Beer and Brewer has uh, covered it in one of their stories. Talking, anyway, it just. (laughs) You know, again, forever original. You know, fine. Cooper's Pale Ale, um, or you know, sparkling ale, it's a tenuous stretch, but it's a it's a thing. But you I know, remember trying a, a Cooper's one-off limited release at uh, was either the first or second uh, Bendigo Craft Beer Festival, and it was either called Bookbinder or the book uh, something about books, and it was magnificent. I thought, wow, how good is it? This is, it's it's not a million miles away from what Coopers do, but it's it's quite different in terms of um, you know, uh, so an older sort of style of beer, but really really well produced as you would expect Coopers to do. And then it was as if the it, it wasn't successful in 10 minutes, so they've throw, thrown the baby out with the bathwater and said, let's just do a heap of, you know, oh, an IPA, XPA. But around the 100, you know, when they brought out the Dr. Tim's, or, sorry, the, the Thomas Cooper. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Tim's was basically pale ale formulated for a can. Um, but the, the Thomas Cooper range, which was, you know, just like the, their IPA, it was just horrible. Um, it really was one of the worst mainstream beer releases that I can remember that wasn't actually faulty um, just in terms of uh, appealing to a market but it, it, it's more like you know Coopers is Coopers they've got an iconic place in the market but you know and, and, and marketing you know it's puffery and you know all of you know advertising it's puffery and all of those sorts of things but when they're bereft of ideas and are basically mining the existing market and you know oh gee you know, that that Pacific Ale, you know, Galaxy Hopped, you know, um, 4.4% beer does pretty well. We'd better get us one of those. And, uh, oh, you know, those surfers seem to be doing pretty cool with that beer. Um, let's do one of those. And, <laughs> you know, now to try and say that there's something original or groundbreaking about or some something insightful about using Australian hops in an IPA. Um, and then, But then to get, you know, like... I was listening to James Rain when I was a teenager. Um, I had to ask Matt who he was. Yeah. I was like, who is this person? Claire hasn't even heard of uh, Australian Crawl. So Rocco came out in 81 and that was their second album. I wasn't even a teenager then. 
Oh, right, no, actually, no, yeah, 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 it was. Just about. Yeah, maybe. it was just about, yeah. Mm. I, I have um, a feeling James and I are about the same age, so just be careful about this. <laughs> yeah, but you're cool, mate. You're, yeah, I've heard of you. <laughs> yeah, you're down with the kids. He still performs. Oh, yeah, I know, I know, but it's... My daughter wouldn't know who James Rain is. Um, and, you know, when the majority of um, craft beer drinkers are under 30, um, you know, someone who's going to be taking to an IPA and the XPA and things like that, and they're sponsoring what is it, the Loud and Cooper's Loud and Alive local series, trying to give a little bit of the young Henry's juju to the, um, to the brand and, you know, be associated with Alive music and hip. I don't know, mate, James Rain. You know, I make fun of my own record collection and it's got James Rain in it. Um, and there is absolutely no way I would hold that up as being in any way contemporary or relevant to a craft beer person. And nothing about the way that Coopers is marketing itself makes me feel that it's trying to broaden the wedge of over 40s craft beer drinkers. The thing is that um, James Rain slash Australian Crawl really um, cut their teeth, made their bones in uh, in and around Frankston. They were they were sort of Peninsula boys. And so, you know, it, it was Davies, it was 21st Century Nightclub. They, they, they were, you know, the house band down at all of those sorts mm. of venues where an IPA is just sort of, it's the last thing you would <laughs> sort of think of. Like you, you'd think a session ale because they're, you know, getting a bit older and, you know, uh, still enjoy their surfing and, and whatever, um, or, or a, a Pacific ale style um to to um to cash in on that sort of surfer theme just an ipa just seems an odd um uh, link Mm. yeah there's a lot of that there isn't there and and this is we had that long chat with zoe um ottaway about coopers you know when and the struggle and she gave them some free advice you know that Apparently they didn't listen to. (laughs) Um, And yeah, love the brand, you know, love the beer. And, 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 you know, the the beers that they're making now, um, whilst not original, you know, do seem to be doing quite well. Um, But, you know, for for a brand that tried to make a big thing about being the 300th brewery to put its beer in cans, when they were one of the first, you know, they could could have been the first craft brewery to do it. Um, and I was asking them when Dr. Tim's was about, oh, I've got any plans to release this? No, nah, no, there's no market for it. And then suddenly Oof. when everyone else is doing it and they're the last to the party, they're trying to make it out that, you know, forever yeah. original. Oh, um, I and I think that's what sticks in micro. If they just say, yeah, we're doing this, we know it's not original, or like come at it from a different angle, then I wouldn't feel so irritated. Put... <laughs> Make their marketing that iconic, you know, that we're speaking of iconic, that classic photo of um, Thomas Cooper, you know, sitting there with the beard. And I've got a great photo of him sitting over um, Tim Cooper's shoulder that, that we took for a photo shoot. You know, take a photo of Thomas Cooper with his baseball cap on backwards and own it, as you say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that um, that's <laughs> And just to say, yeah, this is exactly what we're doing, um, trying to be cool to the kids. And yeah, I don't yeah. know. We've already name-checked a couple of breweries and, and, and I guess highlighted just how difficult it can be to, um, you know, to, to get all the pieces to fall in place and to, you know, to make a, a success of, a, of your business. Um, and, you know, as Matt, has, if brewers are out there listening and you would like, as Matt suggested, to inject a bit of juju into, into your business. I know, that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> you might want to speak to Midland Insurance Brokers because, as I say, things can go wrong. There's a lot at stake when you're running a brewery. Um, it, there's manufacturing, there's production, there's sales, serving the public. Each of those uh, items sort of, you know, comes with its own risks and responsibilities. Midland Insurance Brokers are industry, like brewery insurance experts, and they love everything about the beer industry, even the beards. Their words, not mine. <laughs> the guys at Midland, they do take great pride in being able to protect you and your brewery from any potential, let's call them spanners in the works, um, apart from spanners that you can use to repair or maintain your brewery. You, they want you to use those. The brokers undertake a thorough risk analysis of your brewery's operations to ensure that you are properly protected. Um, they have an insurance program that's specifically catered to the unique needs of your operation. So if you don't have a hospitality side of things, you don't want to be paying for that. So they'll, they'll tailor one to you. So whether you're a microbrewery or an international distributor, Feel free to contact uh, Midland Insurance Brokers on 1300 306 571. There's a new one I'm going to have to remember, Matt. <laughs> what was that phone number again, Pete? That number, again, Matt, was 1300 306 571. They keep their advice honest, uncomplicated, and always in your best interests. So that's midlandinsurance.com.au. <laughs> I hope they like that one. Um, that's it for the news. 
Uh, well, no, I've just had a text. I'm not going to say who. Oh, God. Um, just had Here a message. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure they wouldn't mind. But listener, um, as you listen, thank you very much. Um, just spotted in Harvey Bay, brew on shelf at $12 a six-pack in Harvey <gasps> Bay, $41 per carton. They say it flies out and they're still getting approximately 16% GP um, gross profit. Margin, which what? would price the cartons wholesale at about thirty-one thirty x. Whoa! So what? there you go, and photo- photographic oh, I love evidence. Someone's seen them in the wild. Their um, results are going to be coming out. Um, their right. first quarter results are going to be coming out soon as well. So we're going to see just how Joyful. how much. Well, that's ridiculous. Like that's the thing, you know. Uh, it, it actually, and all credit to anonymous um, correspondent for calculating the price because I did the, the the calculations based on their financials which were roughly about the same I think I came in slightly higher than that but congratulations for working out what the GP is on that on that purchase price yeah, good that's why we've got a discriminating listener mm-hmm. well that's uh, we do encourage that that's I, th- I think we we grow our own <laughs> so you know we should be able to reap the harvest all right all done uh, thank you very much Matt and thank you very much Claire Cheers, Pete. It's been a great episode. It seems a little bit short. We really should continue. Um, <laughs> for those who don't know, yes, that, that's it for the news part of the thing. We're now going to dive below the fold, which in which we'll, we'll uh, dissect a few topics and issues. So stick around for us. Otherwise, we'll catch you all next week for the next episode of Bruce News Week. And we're out. And now we're back. And we'll start with the mailbag. Uh, so now don't forget you can review us on iTunes or you can send us in an email. You can comment um, by joining our Facebook group. Just uh, search Radio Brews News and use the password Soapbox. And Joe just did put out uh, a bit of a reminder this week. Um, more than happy for you to invite your friends, but be a little bit selective about it. We uh, Not because we want to keep it exclusive, but because it pretty much the idea is that it's a, an extension of the podcast. So if people don't listen to the podcast, the rest of it, some, some bits might make sense, but they'll kind of go, what's, what are they talking about this or that? Midland insurance brokers, how does it, you know, what's, what's going on, what's going on with that? Um, or people randomly, you know, doing our ads for us. Just be careful. We do thank you. We love that you do that. Um, but just remember that, you know, what you can do for free, we might not end up getting paid for. <laughs> Soapbox is the password. Um, so do invite people and give us a rating and uh, a review and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Claire, Michael Morgan on the uh, Facebook group, uh, apropos the whole zero alcohol thing. Indeed. Um, so lovely Mike from Blaster. He shall be henceforth called Lovely Mike. Um, <laughs> says, I was chatting with the venue managers yesterday when a delivery of Heineken zero, 0.0 kegs arrived. We chatted about the zero alcohol movement and she said something that was a completely different perspective on serving it. She said that while there is demand, she's also instructed her staff to use it as part of the RSA. So if Joe Bloggs needs to be cut off or cut back, they usually uh, offer water, but now I could offer zero alcohol as an alternative. Uh, that person can have a beer and rejoin their friends. That was beer in quotation marks. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Would love to hear what others think. And this sparked a really interesting chat because I know a few people underneath, and forgive me, I can't remember who it was, um, were just like, well, if they're at the point that you know they need to be cut off, then you know they're the point where they should be kicked out. Really, it was Corey Crooks from the Grain Store. Ah, okay, yeah. But but I think what this venue manager was referring to, what this refer manager was referring, using it as a preemptive. So look, a good a good operator will catch somebody before they get to the point where they need to be cut off. And you can sort of say, uh, "Hey, you're idiot mate over there. Don't want to spoil it for the rest of you guys. We don't have to ask you to leave or to cut you off. Do you want to perhaps give him one of these or suggest that he perhaps has a, a break um, rather than you know he's legless now? We need to cut him off." It's difficult, it, but so I took all the all the points that um, Corey made and plenty of the others as well. The the whole thing for me that was an eye opener was that yeah, this is a as Matt says a, a, a use case for zero alcohol beer in a venue. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I guess we've 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 thought of it as um, you know when you've got to go around to your mate's place or whatever for a barbecue, but you're the one who's got to drive home, or you've got a long day or whatever it might be, and then you've got to cook dinner at the end of it. That's it. I have had an experience, not me personally, I was at a bar in, at a brewery. That strikes me as highly unlikely. (laughs) I was at a brewery in Brisbane with some of my mates and I wasn't drinking. Uh, I was on the zero alcohols or started off on the really low alcohols because I was driving. Um, But one of my friends started to get a little bit wavy. Um, She was a bit merry and the 
but she don't had don't I think she'd asked the bartender for a recommendation and the bartender had given her a recommendation and she said, Oh, I'll try this club, it's really nice. And I was like, Yeah, it's really nice, but you know it's got no alcohol in it. And she went, What the f-? she was obviously wanting a bit more. Um and I was like, Well actually, probably the best. But he secretly just didn't tell her that there was no alcohol in it. And I'm like, mm, I'm not sure if that's probably yeah, the best I don't way know. forward on that. Yeah. Um I, I, so I, it was a really questionable and I went home thinking that wasn't right. So yeah, it's, it was just an interesting one. I hadn't encountered that before and I thought to myself after, I've never done an RSA so I didn't know if that would be acceptable under that but it just reminded me of it and she wasn't even that bad and uh, yeah, so it's an interesting one and it, it means that I just think the people behind the bar, you know, they obviously are responsible um, but just the way you do it, make sure that they know <laughs> that it's non-alcoholic. And good venues will have a raft of protocols. They'll have a... a, a, a bag of tricks mm-hmm. um, and, and do various sort of things. As I say, when I was managing, I would get out from behind the bar and I'd just sort of wander around and, and collect uh, empty glasses or whatever uh, because then the the bunch of lads down in the corner who were, have a, you know, perhaps likely to stray um, see that, you know, oh, the manager comes around every now and then, so we better we better behave. Just the heap of little things you can do. Uh, David Henderson on the Facebook page, reading the ATO crackdown on illicit alcohol. Yeah, this is the one. Um, So David says, about time, I hope they crack down on venues still filling growlers without an excise licence too. Oh, I didn't know that was going on. Uh, Well, they were beforehand. Yeah, yeah. The ATO just, it was one of those things that they helped and it was always iffy um, doing it. Mm. Yeah. if you, yeah, if you weren't already a manufacturer. Because you're paying a different excise yeah. on the, the, the keg versus the coming mm. straight out of a tank versus putting it into a can versus okay. putting it into a growler. Yeah, that's it. Um, David says, uh, the system is dumb, but those breaking the rules get an unfair advantage over the rest of us. The freebie for retailers ended the 31st of January. Now they have to have an excise license and pay container excise for repackaging. It's even more annoying because we had to pay the repackaging excise on bottles and growlers when they didn't, as we had an excise license. Yes, there are lots of annoying little quirks and things like that in the excise regime, isn't there? Um, but yeah, interesting. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to find out who's doing the growlers without. ATO will know. No, well, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I think a lot of people are doing because they don't know. Because um, oh, okay. it was years. Like we've, if you go back in the Bruising News files over the last couple mm. of years, you'll see the articles where we've written it and you know the Facebook page. Oh, oh can't you do this? You know, oh, it's just okay. assumed that. Um, I mean, I would if I hadn't had any previous knowledge of this, I would think, oh, well, obviously that's all right to do. Well, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't assume that because kegs, you know, kegs and cans uh, pay a different rate of excise, and so if you're putting it in a one liter squealer, but you're only paying the excise on the keg, the ATO is being diddled out of um, a slightly higher excise rate. Um, so you know, like, I mean, to, to me, like that's one of the things that the IBA should actually be campaigning for. You know, they're they're pushing for a higher level of excise, um, you know, rebate to match wineries, which you know, it's, it's incredibly unfair, as, as we talked about um, last week. Um, you know, with distillers and winemakers and brewers all taxed differently, but then different packaging is taxed different within um, brewing as well. Um, you know, I, I think that that would actually be a more sensible, logical argument to make that packaging should be in de- you know um, taxed at the keg rate rather than have a difference between the, the the two packaging than doing something that is going to create this illusion that you know of a, of a gold you know potential gold rush. In, in the brewing industry. Did we talk about this last week? I can't... Um, we've talked about it recently. Yeah, we talked about it recently. Um, you know, there's a lot of brewers who are concerned about an excise change because, it, it's it, let's face it, it's not as if there's any trouble attracting people to open breweries under the current yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, excise thing. And if suddenly people think that they're going to get an extra, you know, miracle $200,000 a year in excise rebate that they factor into their numbers... Um, Actually, no, that's right. I shared it on the the, the Facebook group um, because the the Brewers Association and the IBA had both released, you know, their pre-budget negotiations with, with the government. You know, the government's starting to do its budget process. You know, every industry group and lobby group in the country is lobbying for, for what they want out of the tax. And the Brewers Association, which represents the big brewers, is arguing 
for you know a freezing of the excise um, indexation or a lowering or a temporary you know fifty percent reduction in the keg excise, saying that that will benefit publicans because they'll get their beer cheaper, and you know if they want they can either stimulate trade in their venue or keep by keep by reducing their prices or keeping their prices the same and capture some of the money that they lost during COVID. That's the Brewers Association's populist argument. The IBA is arguing that if they get this excise break, you know, see it go up to $300,000 a year, it's going to be money in the brewers' pockets, which those two things can't exist in... You know, Lyons essentially saying, we will pass on the discount to publicans, so our beer will be cheaper for the excise saving, whereas the IBA is arguing that craft brewers, who are more expensive anyway, are going to get to keep that tax in their pockets to fund their businesses. Mm -hmm. And there's just a law of business that doesn't see, when craft breweries are already expensive compared to the big brewers, that's just not going to happen. And you're just going to see price pressure on craft brewers to bring their um, down. Anyway. There you go. Nice little segue there. Just be doing the rabbit <laughs> hole. There we go. Uh, let's finish up with uh, an email. Yeah, uh, an email from Gavin Spencer. He says, I loved your chat with the godfather of hops last week. I found it fascinating and was left amazed uh, with the depth of knowledge he has. All the talk of hops got me thinking about why craft brewers in Australia don't openly state the IBU or the SRM slash EBC of... Do you know what the... Colour. Oh, right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's what it means. Is it standard reference method and European beer colour? Yeah, I didn't know the first one. Corrections to producer at brewersnews.com.au. <laughs> <laughs> um, of each beer they produce. More to that point, it takes some investigation to discover just some of the types of hops used. Uh, is this something only I'm interested in uh, in the beers we drink? I know it's common practice in North America and I feel this would add to a brewery experience here and certainly help me communicate and educate the customers in my small craft beer bar. Uh, thanks as always and keep up the good work. Now, interestingly, I usually get IBUs... I think um, when I when we get press releases, when we get um, new beers for our new release section, generally they'd have IBU. It's it, not something that, that we necessarily feel yeah. that we need to um, share with the consumer. And mm. I think, too, you're nerdy enough that you want to know those things. Yeah. There's plenty of apps around now where if you've got a, a reasonably clean and clear glass, you can hold your camera up and it'll give you a, an SRM or an EBC. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> but you don't think it's you need it at that consumer-facing point where, you know, that's something that you're um, communicating to a customer? You don't think they, customers would care? or I don't think old mate down at the RSL on, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the gunfire breakfast at, um, after Anzac Day March this year is going to hold his uh, gleaming pot of um, <laughs> lager up and go, you know what, it's probably just a little bit too dark. <laughs> And, and for a long time, uh, I think Forex used to put caramel colouring into Forex Gold oh, really? to make it look. But yeah, um, because it because of the perception that that brings um, for a mid strength beer and mm. stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, and that is out the window nowadays. Yeah. Like you have beer of any colour. Anyone any who wanted shape. me to hoist me on my own petard would be able to dig back and find articles where I wrote about how brewers should communicate this sort of information, you know, 15. <laughs> I, but it would have been you know, when we were talking about changing, you know, educating consumers and things like that. But these days when people just want to go, how hazy is it? Um, <laughs> you know, and, and the other thing is... Opacity. A, a hazy <laughs> index, a HI. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But the other thing is... The perceived bitterness and the you know the the technical IBUs don't necessarily match up. It mm, depends on how well the beer's made. Point. So if yeah. you've got you know th- th- there are some dangerously drinking sixty five seventy IBU beers where they've just beautifully um, crafted um, and it might put someone off. Someone off. Yeah, um, there's IBUs yeah, and then there's perceived true. IBUs. Yeah, mm. out of interest, a hazy index, a HI. Would that would it start at say chunky and work its way through to solid <laughs> um, and he kept saying chunky last week matt when you left and it was a horrible chunky uh, oh Ugh. yeah no well, i'm sure there in fact i'm just googling here we go 
If it, while Matt's Googling, if you did want to, uh, brewers did want to communicate with their clients, with their consumers, with their beer drinkers, their loyal fans about things like IBUs or EBCs or SRMs, um, you could probably call 1300 852 235 and speak to the guys at Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging because they'd be able to just whip something up and go, yeah, too easy. Can't believe it took this long to ask. Well, mate, if, and, and want to know what you would put on that label, Pete? You would put what the NTU is. Oh, is that what it is? That's Which what is nef- nephelometric turbidity unit is an oh, industry accepted unit, yeah. and, and we're talking about water quality here, not brewing. Mm. Um, it's is an industry accepted unit of to, of measurement for turbid- turbidity, and is determined by an optical measurement of water's ability to scatter and absorb light rather than transmit it in a straight line. Well, there you go. You go. So measures opacity and well, mm. turbidity, the amount of turbids there are in the water. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Now, last one. Yeah, this was a late break. Well, one that, again, another eagle-eyed listener um, sent through last night. Um, A media release um, dated 14th of April. So it was a couple of days ago. We didn't get it. So it seemed to have gone... It was only yesterday. Oh, okay. So, um, but we didn't get sent it directly. No, we didn't. It was uh, Newcastle Reward Yourself. Steel City Beer Company brings you beer you can call your own. Steel City invites the people of Hunter to enjoy a beer they can call their own. Now available at selected venues in the Hunter region, Steel City's full-strength Australian lager celebrates a clean, crisp taste of a job well done. Steel City Beer Company champions modern working-class culture and pays homage to the region's industrious past. Um, the company's founders include proud Novacastrians Chris and Danny Baderis, Andrew Johns, Trish and Matthew Johns, Brooke and Kurt Gidley, Eloise Boughton, Craig Anderson, Paula Miller and Matthew Hoy, Nina Graham and Ryan Callanan, Oliver Semkin and Sophie and Ryan Ginns. And um, having purchased the uh, ASIC uh, documents, um, one Lion Australia Proprietary Limited. Um, One, our partnership with industry leader Lion and the godfather of Australian craft brewing, Chuck Hahn, puts us in a great position to make beer and deliver it in a no-nonsense manner. The Hunter has a long history with the Tui's brand and they know the beer drinking needs of the people of the region. Um, and it goes on like that. We'll be posting it into the uh, news today. And funnily enough, um, <laughs> while we've been recording this, I've had uh, a correspondent send me this, you know, with a scandalised, well, I presume a scandalised, like people send me things when they're scandalised, hoping that or expecting that I'll be scandalised by them as well. And uh, I think we're uh, a bit too jaded to be scandalised. Well, well, that's the thing. <laughs> and it was sent to me, I, I presume, um, and I never know when these things come in, whether the people want me to name them or not so mystery listener and mystery you know mystery correspondents both um i I don't know whether i'm speaking for you but yeah they they send it along because obviously it's something that stands out a little bit that chuck Hahn has brewed a beer um and you know i jumped on got the asic documents and funnily enough um after the the lodow island brewing debacle um where lion was installing and i just assumed that lion you know did it because they own the brewery when it was actually Islanders own the brewery and, you know, Line was helping them, um, you know, to do it with consulting and, and those sorts mm-hmm. of things, which is a very unusual thing for a big company to do. Yeah, in your defence, it was almost unheard of. Uh, well, yeah, and but then again, that's the job of a journalist to actually look into these things, which is why I've looked into this one. Now, the share structure that I can see is 1.35 million shares have been issued. And as you go down through that long list of... Um, sporting and uh, you know surfing and football identities, um, and you go past Reg Regan Productions, uh, Proprietary Limited, um, you know, and a number of other people. Um, you do see Lion uh, Beer Spirits and Wine, and they've got two hundred and seventy thousand. So that's about fifteen percent, roughly. It's less than ten, less than twenty percent, um, which is interesting because this would make them eligible to join the IBA. <laughs> Um, I'd like to see that. Yeah, and and, and and again, like, you know, as we've talked about on the podcast, so you, you've got a bunch of sporting celebrities, um, you know, who arguably want to come in and cash in on this craft beer thing. Um, I can think of four you know, well-known surfers who did that <laughs> and added a huge amount of value to the industry and, and can't be knocked for the business they've created. Um, you know, uh, the... Um, Cronulla Beer, um, which is that beer that isn't brewed in Cronulla um, and has a number of footballers and local identities um, and proudly wears the IBA seal, but not any disclaimer about where the beer is made. 
Bloke in a bar. Bloke in a bar. Bloke in a bar. And, oh, again, yeah. yeah. And um, ex rugby league. Den and Kemp, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, and, and also this beer is being made at Malt Shovel, so it's being contract brewed, just like brew um, at Lions Malt Shovel um, Brewery. Which, if you've at twelve bucks a six pack, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm <laughs> sure it'll cost more than that. But you know, um, a, a very well known Australian ind- once independent craft beer brand, Mountain Goat, made a lot of its beer at um, you know a little brewery in Laverton owned by Asahi <laughs> without declaring it. Uh, you know, overtly. Um, you know, so I, that's the thing. I, I just don't know. Does independence matter until it doesn't? Well, I, I, again, like, you know, what's Lion's strategy here, you know, um, in getting involved in a little brewery? Um, you, you, you don't know. But, I, you know, I, I just don't know where... You, you know, I just can't summon the moral outrage anymore when oh, you look at a company yeah, like after this. So many times of seeing almost similar sort of projects and things like this. There's a lot of whatever it is, whether you're bringing back an old brand like CB do or you're sprinkling a load of new breweries about. You, part of me thinks, you guys are minted. Why can't you... Like, why are you all guessing all the time? Why are you just throwing mud at the wall and seeing what sticks? Do you not know this? Well, but there, yeah, but there's, there's that. But then one of the people who have sent it through said, I thought the comment on the can that it was brewed at various locations around Australia um, was odd. And you're going, well... What do you expect? That's, how is that any different from any, you know, what I regard? And again, like, it's a purely subjective thing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to defend this beer. I'm not going to buy this beer. If I want the taste of Newcastle, I'm going to go and, you know, phone up Sean Sherlock and order some of his beer because that's, you know, a highly personal purchasing decision. In terms of pointing to bad corporate behaviour, I don't know, you know, I, I just can't summon the, you know, the, the same outrage I felt over, you know, like a Byron Bay Pale Lager thing, um, you know, in 2014 when you've got craft brewers who are, you know, you've got the IBA not even enforcing or not even in- insisting that its members adopt the IBA's clear direction about labelling um, and never has, didn't take a stand against Byron Bay because it had members who were against, you know, um, being overt on their cans about, um, packaging, you know, the ownership is less than Lion. You've got celebrity. You know, what is there to get up, uh, upset about um, w- with this beer that isn't just a personal purchasing decision? Yeah, yeah, no, good point. Bad good point, bad well point. made. On that note, uh, we best wrap up. Thanks to Crime Alt, to Midland Insurance Brokers. Welcome aboard. Uh, and to Rellings Labels, Stickers and Packaging, uh, to Rellings Labels, Stickers and Packaging, and to Thirsty Merchants for uh, supporting us. And thanks, as we always reserve, our greatest lot of for you, the listeners. Um, have a good week. Look after yourselves and each other. Drink fresh, drink local, wash your damn hands. Won't kill you. And we'll <laughs> see you all for next week's Bruges News Week. And we're out. Better be a good one. Oh shit, sorry. I, was... <laughs> <laughs> I got distracted. I did a mat. I was reading my emails. Sorry, guys. Not this week. And we're out. <laughs> Boom. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation.